Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Practicology Podcast. Welcome back, in fact, to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew is bringing us back to this famous sermon by our Lord Jesus Christ. He's taking us to the end of Matthew chapter 7. Yeah, several weeks ago, I mentioned how much I would love to have been present to hear the Lord Jesus singing in the upper room, but I would also very much like to have heard some of his teaching. For sure. I think we pointed out verses 28 to 29 in episode 41 and how the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he spoke with such authority. And you were stressing, Matthew, how he possessed authority to lay down these principles for life in the kingdom because, of course, he is the king, which the gospel writer Matthew has been taking pains to emphasize throughout his gospel. That's right. And I think I'm borrowing this from David Gilliland with his summary of Matthew's emphasis on the Lord Jesus' right to the throne up to this point. Matthew shows his legal authority in chapter one, Jesus is the son of David. His prophetic authority in chapter two, he fulfills the ancient scriptures. His personal authority in chapter three, the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. His moral authority in chapter four, he overcomes the temptations from the devil. Now his judicial authority, chapter five to seven, this is like the legislation of the kingdom being put forward and this is the standard of perfect righteousness. That's good. And now at the end of this teaching, he re-emphasizes the authority of his own words. Not merely does he say everyone who hears the words of this book or everyone who hears the words of the Lord, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded upon the rock. Then The foolish are those who hear but don't obey, and their lives are like a house built on sand, and that house will fall flat. Amen. So it is vital that our lives are like houses built on the rock that will not crumble. And that is the teaching of Christ, beloved. It is a rock that will not crumble. To all of our listeners, let me ask you straight up from the top. Are you building on the rock? Are you prepared for eternity? Thomas Chalmers, a great 19th century Free Church of Scotland minister, said, The sum and substance of the preparation needed for a coming eternity is that you believe what the Bible tells you and do what the Bible bids you. The sum and substance of the preparation needed for a coming eternity is that you believe what the Bible tells you and do what the Bible bids you. That is good. That'll take you places in life. In fact, that'll, that'll take you where you need to go, into the kingdom. Because in the second half of Matthew 7, what the Lord is doing, he's confronting his listeners with the inevitability of making a choice between two categories and ultimately two destinations for eternity. So back at verses 13 and 14, he talks about the two roads. Then there's two trees. Then he mentions two professions and now two foundations, rock and sand. Now, let me be clear. Everyone listening is in one of those two categories in each of those metaphors, A true Christian, someone who is resting in Christ for salvation by faith alone, is on the narrow way that leads to life. There is no possibility for someone who has been born again to be on the wide road that ends in destruction. But I could ask you, how well does your life reflect the habit of repentance that characterizes that narrow gate and narrow road? Likewise, in the metaphor we're focusing on today, the believer is on the rock and the unbeliever is on the sand. 
No born-again believer is at risk of having their house destroyed by the flood of God's final judgment. But if my more theologically profound, more godly, and intelligent beloved co-host Mike Knox will allow me, I would like to ask you, are you still consciously building on the rock or are you building sandcastles? Is obedience to the word of God important to you today? Mike, are you okay with me broadening that application there? Yeah, just as long as you keep it on the rock, brother. Sounds good. Then, brothers and sisters, let's encourage ourselves today with the confidence that the rock of Christ and his word will never crumble. We can build with confidence on Christ's words. Remember Thomas Chalmers' words, the sum and substance of the preparation needed for a coming eternity is that you believe what the Bible tells you and do what the Bible bids you. Lesson number one today, the Lord Jesus is to be obeyed. Yes, and that is certainly applicable to believers and unbelievers, Matthew. I'm thinking of John 3, 36. The ESV captures the different words that the Greek text has in that verse like this. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Or Romans 1, verse 5. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. So unbelievers need to obey the gospel first of all. But yeah, what the Lord is saying here is that there are two categories, the unbeliever who hears and doesn't obey and the believer who hears and obeys. Obedience to the Lord should characterize the rest of my life. Good stuff. Yeah, thank you. And I remember Mr. Norman Crawford saying that when he first told the gospel preacher who was preaching in the meetings in which he was saved, when he first told that man that he was saved, the evangelist replied with two things to Mr. Norman Crawford. He said, young man, God may have called you to be a preacher. That was a rather prophetic comment to Mr. Crawford, who was just a boy at the time. Secondly, he said, all God requires of you can be written on your thumbnail, obedience. Preparation for eternity hasn't ended at conversion. That's when we settled where our destination would be, God's eternal kingdom, thank the Lord. But now we are establishing what sort of entrance we will have into that kingdom. And the way we prepare is by believing what the Bible tells us and doing what the Bible bids us. So choose obedience to the Lord today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And don't be like the fool who is building his life on the sand. Fools in the Bible, by the way, aren't necessarily lacking in intelligence. That's not the issue. That's not why they are fools. Fools in the Bible make poor moral choices. And there are eternal consequences to the choices we are making today. And in this countercultural kingdom that the Lord is establishing, he confronts us with this indispensable necessity of choice. We either choose to follow the crowd or we choose to imitate our Father in heaven. We're either a reed swayed by the winds of public opinion or we are ruled by God's word. And the way we grow in our Christian maturity is by obeying the Lord's words. And we are responsible to obey what we hear from the Lord. This is why John Stott says, the Bible is a dangerous book to read. And the church is a dangerous society to join. For in reading the Bible, we hear the words of Christ. And in joining the church, we say we believe in Christ. That is, our, our identity in this community is in calling Jesus Lord. So he says, so we must ensure that what we know is translated into what we do. The Lord Jesus is to be obeyed. 
Well, thank you for that challenging reminder, Matthew. We need to hear that. I need to hear that. But then what helps and encourages me to rise up to that standard is knowing that these words that I want to obey, they are durable, reliable, trustworthy. Like our Lord says, this is a house built on a rock. Yeah, I'm thinking also the words of 1 Peter 1, where he quotes Isaiah 40, the word of the Lord remains forever. But let's think about that now here in Matthew 7. And let me encourage our hearts to be settled on the rock. If you are a believer, I am thankful because that means you have found safety and security on the rock that will not crumble. I haven't entitled this episode, The House That Will Not Crumble. I could have, but I want to remind us that the key is the rock. There will be rain on the roof, a river at the foundation, and wind on the walls. But the house that is founded upon the rock will survive. The scriptures are an impregnable rock. Impregnable means it's, it's a, a fortress that cannot be overcome. That is why you don't need to fear building life on this rock. You can keep clinging to this rock, no matter what the world throws against it, because it is an impregnable, unbreakable rock. The Bible stands like a mountain towering far above the works of men. Its truth by none ever was refuted, and destroy it none ever can. So it is good to stake your convictions upon this rock, the words of the Lord. It is wise for a local church to stand upon this rock and nothing else. This is the rock that will not crumble. Let's plant our feet on this firm foundation for the Bible stands. Good words. Good song too, Matthew. I gather you like that one more than I'm in right, out right, upright, downright, happy all the time. And this is just making me think. You, you said a few minutes ago, we are to love God with our minds. We are to use our mental faculties for the glory of God. But you are also making it clear that the standard of truth is not my own reason or intellect, but the standard of truth is Jesus Christ and his word. Yeah, and I know that you, Mike, love the teachings of the late David Gooding, who was no dimwit himself. He was in fellowship for many years at Apsley Hall in Belfast. He's the author of many good Christian books, professor of Greek he was at Queen's University, a member of the Royal I Irish Academy, and well-respected by many evangelical Christians. So I'm just citing him as an example of a man with a bright intellect, obviously. I read these words of his recently, though, in the daily devotional book, Bringing Us to Glory, that takes excerpts from his writings. Anyhow, this is what he said. God be praised for the intellect he has given us. But in this fallen world, we shall not find security and the ultimate solution by our intellect. We shall only find security, certainty, and truth in God and his self-revelation in Christ. If my intellect comes into conflict with Jesus Christ and God's revelation, I shall have to decide what I am going to stake my life around. Those are great words, sound counsel. Young Christian, learn to be settled on the rock because life will throw a lot of things at you. And the sea of life in which you swim will ebb and flow, but the rock doesn't ebb and flow. Ephesians 4 warns us about being tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. How do I avoid being swayed by every novel idea that reaches my ears? I need to know my Bible better. I need to know my Lord Jesus better to be settled on the rock. And by the grace of God, we will learn that the Bible stands like a rock undaunted mid the raging storms of time. Which brings us to our third and final point. The Lord Jesus is to be obeyed. 
I must learn to be settled on the rock. Lastly, the certainty of the storms. Yeah, because the Lord doesn't say that if you make wise choices, everything is going to be easy. Uh, Verse 27, the rain fell on the foolish man's house. But back in verse 25, the rain fell on the wise man's house too. Yeah, the truth is if we make wise choices, we can be sure that everything is not going to be easy. Now, the ultimate storm will be coming judgment. And if your house is built upon the rock, that storm is no threat to you. But if your house is only Christian in name and not in reality, and if your life is resting on the sands of self instead of the rock of scripture, then your house will crumble and great will be its demise. The way this little parable is framed, there's no distinction noted in the houses, right? The idea is that from the outside, both houses appear to be constructed the same, but beneath the surface is the telltale sign. Israel is a very arid region, but it can have torrential rains. So there are ravines that will often be completely dry, but then during a rainstorm, it will turn into a raging torrent and the storm will test the quality of the foundation. Just as certain as that region is normally dry, so it is certain that rainstorms will sometimes come. Storms are going to come in our lives, brothers and sisters, and they test us and the quality of our foundation. I'm thankful, very thankful So thankful that no storm is too much for my Lord to bear and carry me through. Thankful that I don't need to flounder in the storm. God's truth is a rock that will not crumble. We can stand on the promises of God. I can hold to his word with confidence in the storm. May the Lord help me to do so. But one more word on that. Storms sometimes blow through local assemblies. Maybe you've noticed that, experienced it. And if the Lord doesn't return and you're preserved a couple more decades, there's a good chance you'll see a storm blow through the local church again. I hate the thought of that, but it's possible, isn't it? The winds of opposition from the world and the prince of the power of the air are likely to increase. The Bible says we should expect gusts of hatred at times. And in these particular days, it is sad to see the divisiveness and the polarization of the culture creep into local churches and The wind that is attacking the church is sometimes in the form of hot air being blown from a brother or sister across the auditorium, or maybe on your friend's Facebook page. And I just want to remind us all to be consciously building one another up by building on the rock that will not crumble. The words that we give from the pulpits, let them be words from the rock. There is no other foundation that we want or need. The Lord and his word is enough to carry us through the storm. And in our individual lives, storms will come, the rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat upon that house. But praise the Lord, it did not fall because it was founded upon the rock. The good life isn't the one that's never faced a storm. It's one that is tested and proved steadfast and afterwards receives the crown of life. The sum and substance of the preparation needed for a coming eternity is that you believe what the Bible tells you and do what the Bible bids you. That is a good life, friend. That's a house founded upon the rock. So good, Matthew, and so needed for us. I love the title of a little booklet on on the scriptures. It's called Jesus' Unbreakable Word. And that's what the Bible is. It's his unbreakable word. We can put all our weight on it and it will always be able to sustain us and to hold us up. A few episodes ago, we were talking about conspiracy theories and 
and just reminds us, Matthew, of all the uncertainty and all the controversies and debates that swirl around. But when we find a verse of scripture and stake our lives on it, we are mooring our our souls to something extremely solid. So thank you for this reminder. And uh, Matthew, may we have grace just to continue with all who are listening to build our lives upon the truth of God's word. Thanks everyone so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode and have a great day.